If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today. A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online. So any small business could be a driving force to create change or build an empire. We know old ideas aren't cutting it anymore. So we're calling for a new generation of thinking, your way of thinking. So whatever you have in mind that will help make a different future, find everything you need to get started at GoDaddy.com. Because the future isn't decided yet. It's up to us to make it happen. Start different at GoDaddy.com. This is an ode to Napa cabbage. Of all the cabbages on all the cabbage farms, only you have the crisp crunch worthy of our Bibigo Korean dumplings. No other cabbage would do, because no other cabbage tastes like you. We love you, Napa Cabbage. Just don't tell Green Onion. Napa Cabbage, one of many obsessively crafted ingredients in every hearty, flavorful Korean dumpling from Bibigo. Go handcrafted. Go Bibigo. Authentic Korean dumplings now in the freezer aisle. This is Podco Media Networks. On episode 96 of Confessions of a Marketer, we're celebrating our differences. Hi, it's Mark Reed Edwards. Welcome back to Confessions of a Marketer. We have Christina Mallon of the Wonderman Thompson Inclusive Design Practice back in to continue our discussion about inclusive design. Next time, we have David Lemley on rebranding Starbucks and retail voodoo. Soon, Steve Randazzo will be in to discuss experiences. We'll have David C. Baker on building an agency and John McDonald of The Good on optimization. And I have a special guest lined up for episodes 100 and 101 that we will announce shortly. We'll reach that 100-episode milestone on September 30th, and we're just getting started. Should be a great end to 2019. We have a great lineup of podcasts on Podco Media Networks. There's this one, the Innovation Podcast, Demystifying Data, and My First Job. Plus, we have the Innovate Her Podcast, hosted by Innovate Her KC founder Lauren Conaway on the way in October, and a podcast about Latin American business shortly after that. Head over to podcomedia.com to listen and subscribe. If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today. Okay, back to Christina Mallon. Christina and I continue our discussion as we touch on the way in which fashion brands like Tommy Hilfiger have been on the vanguard of celebrating our differences. We discuss how Tommy Adaptive elevated the brand by making functional and fashionable clothing available. We also delve more into the work that Wonderman Thompson did. The key, Christina says, is staying away from inspiration porn. We also talk about the nonprofit organization she co-founded, the Open Style Lab, which works on accessible technology and teaching STEM through accessible fashion design. This is a great, important discussion, so let's get to it. I want to talk about Tommy Adaptive, but one of my observations about fashion, not being that fashionable myself, but having watched, you know, over the last 30 or 40 years, fashion being on the leading edge of bringing society into accepting 
minorities. If you look back at the Benetton campaign of 30 years ago, the colors of Benetton, it's just they really pushed this acceptance that not everyone is white, that there are different people throughout the world. And when I looked at the Tommy Adaptive work, it kind of reminded me of that, that people look different, people have different abilities, and that's what the Tommy Adaptive work celebrates. It doesn't just try and say, we care about you, it actually celebrates that. I definitely agree. And I'm happy to hear that you think that because that's definitely what we were trying to do when partnering with Tommy Hilfiger Adaptive. I think, you know, the great thing is that this adaptive clothing line didn't feel far from the brand. It didn't feel like a one-off because Tommy Hilfiger is all about democratizing design. And what they did here with Tommy Hilfiger Adaptive is really an amazing example of democratizing fashion and not just clothing, but also representation. And that's very important because stigma attached to disability is such a problem, but how they elevated the brand and used all of the same designs that they have at Tommy Hilfiger and adapted them and made them accessible. And I think that's really important because when you look at adaptive fashion previously, it's been very like geriatric one-off designs. Tommy was the first functional and fashionable brand to create adaptive clothing. So what was the the pitch like? What sparked the relationship with Tommy Hilfiger on this? Yeah, I think that we've done previous uh, work with Special Olympics. I actually wasn't on the pitch team for this. I was brought in after we won the business, but from the deck that I saw, it really, they were impressed with our understanding of the market and then also our view on inclusive design as better design and us and the tone that we had, it wasn't inspiration porn and that we did a, a, a service to people with disabilities. And I think there's having a high level taste and a high quality taste that Tommy Elfiger has, but also being able to be empathetic with the market. It's interesting work. I encourage everybody to Google Tommy Adaptive and look at the the website, which I think is a prime example of the work that you did and how inclusive it is and really how beautiful the photography is. It, it, it's really well executed. It's a great idea and we all have great ideas, but executing it takes it to the next level, I think. And if you if you go to the YouTube page, you'll be able to see kind of the behind the scenes of the content that we captured. And it really talks about how we were inclusive from end to end. And I think that's very important because we see some brands that will just have, you know, a model with a disability in the ad, but that model couldn't put the clothes on themselves or that the store where you bought that clothes isn't accessible for a wheelchair. So I think as more brands get into this, you know, diversity, inclusion, and, and social impact, we'll start to see the brands that are doing well and not doing it well because there'll be these instances where one part of their messaging wasn't inclusive and we'll see social media say something about it. We'll have uh, links to that in our uh, show notes. So Anyway, you, you mentioned it earlier, Open Style Lab. Can you tell me about that, this operation that you started? Yeah. So um, I was a late stage co-founder of Open Style Lab. It was founded at MIT, where that's part I wasn't involved in. I was more involved in um, at the Parsons angle, but really kind of 
our mission is to make style accessible to people of all abilities by 2025 through technology and design. And what we are is we're a 5013C. And what we try to do here is really kind of three parts. We are trying to teach STEM through fashion design um, by making accessible, I would say, kind of accessible, like a sewing machine we've done. We've made accessible needle and threads. We've made accessible garments. Just having to teach, you know, STEM through fashion design as I would say it's been around 96% of women with disabilities are undereducated. So that's one part of what we do at Open Style Lab is we try to teach accessible fashion design using STEM. And then another part is that we do is the summer program where we team um, a bunch of fellows uh, that are in engineering, fashion, and healthcare. And they work together to create an accessible design. And we all know this, having teams and people from different backgrounds on a team can create very innovative and better products. So we do that with the summer program at Parsons. We also have events outside of Parsons where we teach STEM. And they're really about raising awareness of the importance of inclusive design and accessibility. And you don't think of STEM as being related to style. Yeah. There's all these different ways to arrive at, at education, right? To learn and taking that on-ramp is, is fascinating. Yeah, we, we started to see, we had five years Open Style Lab has been around. And each summer we focused on creating the actual garment. That could either be an accessible dress, an accessible coat, an accessible suit. But this summer we really looked back and said, okay, one of the great things that we saw that people got out of this was also the education part. And that was both, you know, fellows and then the clients we were making the products for. We thought about, okay, so how do we scale this? Let's create mini education sessions and products using STEM that can teach women with disabilities because we saw, okay, wow, there is a huge issue with education and women with disabilities. And then Open Style Lab, we need to figure out how we can scale. So this summer, we created products that allow you to design if you have a disability. And then also videos that go along with that, that is very, very easy. It doesn't matter how much cognitive ability that you have. You should be able to understand kind of the process in these videos. So really kind of boxing up all our knowledge and putting all of these accessible tools in, in one box, along with videos to increase uh, STEM education through fashion design. Because, you know, it's very hard to get people to want to join different STEM events and STEM camps. We thought fashion design is a really interesting way in that would get more people excited. Yeah. Definitely. And in a way, you can build yourself a pipeline of talent for Wonderman Thompson, too. So that is the other kind of thing that I've been thinking of is, you know, we have a maker lab here at Wonderman Thompson where we can create prototypes and we have, you know, 3D printer, laser cutter. We have all of the best tools and we've done this for clients before. But how do we kind of take some of the students that I'm working with OSL? and bring them into Wonderman Thompson to kind of create and prototype products for our clients. Yeah, interesting. And that will make the, the, the work that you do more important at Wonderman Thompson as you get more talent in and build that funnel of uh, people. The work will 
grow and grow. Definitely. And, you know, I think having people who also are aware of inclusive design is very, very important. And I think OSL can definitely be a funnel to Wonderman Thompson. But I think, you know, the great thing and what I love about Wonderman Thompson, when I became fully disabled a few years ago, I thought I would never go back into advertising. And when I came to Wonderman Thompson for the interview, I just felt like this is a place that would accept me as a person with disability, but also find my disability as an advantage. And they've really allowed me to be able to shine and, and kind of bring this new way of thinking of inclusive design to our clients. And, and I'm so thankful for the opportunity here at Wonderman Thompson and our clients for being open to this new style of design. Because I really do think that this is a better way to design and this is the future of design. So I think the work you're doing is really important, but usually with important things, there's like a long background to it, but it feels here like you're just at the beginning of this. So what do you think is next with inclusive design? I'm so proud of, especially from what I see with the students in Open Style Lab, that the next future leaders and designers are, they really care and have a lot of empathy So I think that they're going to take inclusive design to the next level. But what I see in the next five years, at least from Wonderman Thompson, is that all of the work that we put out will be inclusive. And that's really my goal, is to ensure that everything that we do is as inclusive as possible for our clients. And that's kind of what I see in the next five, but in the next 10 or 15, it's it's so hard to imagine. But I really see kind of products and advertising being modular. So if you look at kind of the IKEA way of working is that you can make those products and make different designs to work for you. And I really see that there's one design, one base design for everyone, and then it can be modular based off your abilities. And that's how I really see the future of design because it is really difficult to make separate products for people with disabilities and then products for people with disability, without disabilities. Making two is really expensive. So I see a very like modular future when it comes to design that can work for many different abilities, but it's one product. Yeah. And it's just pieces that you put together in a different way. Exactly. And I think when you look at some website design now, they have an accessible version where you can kind of set the different accessibility features to work for your disability. And and that's how I see kind of design is moving in the future when it comes to inclusive design. It'll just be design, right? Yes. (laughs) Well, Christina, it was great to have you here. I have learned a lot and I'm really intrigued to watch your practice develop over the coming years. And I can't wait to get this episode in front of my listeners. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks so much for your time. All right. Next time, David Lemley on rebranding Starbucks and some retail voodoo. So stay with us. This episode of Confessions of a Marketer is written, produced, and edited by yours truly. T. Jordan of A-Class Productions wrote the theme music. Confessions of a Marketer is a trademark of Podco Media Networks, and this episode is copyright 2019. I'm Mark Reed Edwards. See you next time.
You've never tried to eyeball six feet as often as you do now. You wear a mask, you wash your hands, and you've stayed within the walls of your apartment for more hours than you care to add up. But unless you live in a smoke-free building, you're not exactly home free. Secondhand smoke drifting through the cracks in walls or sink drains carries toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. And right now, lung health is key. Go to tobaccofreeca.com to learn how to stay safe.